Well, if you have a Bible, and I hope that you do, go ahead and turn with me to uh, the book of Revelation. I want in the 18th, um, I thought we were in the 17th chapter, so that was my mistake, but chapter 18, chapter 18 is where we are. So Revelation chapter 18, Revelation chapter 18, um, we'll continue to look at, or we will continue to look at Babylon, uh, the great, and uh, we've seen the prostitute of Babylon destroyed in 17, and now in 18, um, we now see uh, Babylon falling uh, the, the, in a couple different ways, uh, um, politically, commercially, things like that. So Revelation chapter 18, and if you are physically able to do so, I am going to invite you to stand. This is you know, about 24 verses, uh, so if you're not physically able to do so, don't worry about it. Um, but certainly if you are able, um, then I'm going to ask you to stand as we read together God's word. So Revelation chapter 18, this is the word of the Lord given to us tonight. And after these things, I saw another angel come down from heaven. Having great power, and the earth was lightened with his glory. And he cried mightily with a loud voice or a strong voice, saying, Babylon the great is fallen, is fallen, and has become the habitation of devils or demons, and uh, the hold of every foul spirit in a cage of every unclean and hateful bird. For all nations have drunk of the wine of the wrath of her fornication, and the kings of the earth have committed fornication with her. And the merchants of the earth are waxed rich through the abundance of her delicacies. And I heard another voice from heaven saying, Come out of her, my people, that you be not partakers of her sins, and that you receive not of her plagues. For her sins have reached to heaven, and God has remembered her iniquities. Reward her even as she has rewarded you. And double unto her her double according to her works in the cup, which she has filled full to her double." How much she has glorified herself and lived deliciously, so much torment and sorrow give her. For she says in her heart, I sit a queen and am no widow and shall see no sorrow. Therefore shall her plagues come in one day, death and mourning and famine, and she shall be utterly burned with fire. For strong is the Lord God who judges her. And the kings of the earth who have committed fornication and lived deliciously with her shall bewail her and lament her when they shall see the smoke of her burning, standing afar off for the fear of her torment, saying, Alas, alas, that great city Babylon, that mighty city, for in one hour is your judgment come. And the merchants of the earth shall weep and mourn over her, for no one buys their merchandise anymore. The merchandise of gold and silver and precious stone and of pearls and fine linen and purple and silk and scarlet and, and all thine wood, and all manner of vessels of, of the vessels of ivory, and of the man, all manner of vessels of most precious wood, and of brass, and iron, and marble, and cinnamon, and odors, and ointments, and frankincense, and wine, and oil, and fine flour, and wheat, and beasts, and sheep, and horses, and chariots, and slaves, and souls of men. And the fruits that your soul has lusted after have departed, have departed from you, and all things which were dainty and good are departed from you, and you shall find them no more at all. Your merchants of these things, <clears throat> the merchants of these things which were made rich by her, shall stand afar off from, from, for the fear of her torment, weeping and wailing and saying, Alas, alas, that great city! 
that was clothed in fine linen and purple and scarlet and decked with gold and precious stones and pearls. For in one hour so great riches is come to naught or to nothing. And every shipmaster and all the company and ships and sailors and all as, and as many as trade by sea stood afar off and cried when they saw the smoke of her burning, saying, What city is like to this great city? And they cast dust on their heads and cried, weeping and wailing, saying, Alas, alas, that great city wherein were made rich uh, <clears throat> all that had ships in the sea by reason of her co- uh, costliness. For in one hour is she made desolate. Rejoice over her, um, thou heaven, and you holy apostles and prophets, for God has avenged you on her. And a mighty angel took up a stone like a great millstone and cast it into the sea, saying, Thus with violence shall that great city Babylon be thrown down and shall be found no more at all. And the voice of the harpers and musicians and the pipers and the trumpeters shall be heard no more at all in you. And no craftsman or of whatsoever craft he may be shall be found any more in you. And the sound of a millstone shall no longer be heard in you. And the light of a candle shall shine no more at all in you. And the voice of the bridegroom and of the bride shall be heard no more at all in you. For your merchants were the great men of the earth. For by your sorceries were all the nations deceived. And in her was found the blood of the prophets and the saints. And of all that were slain upon the earth. Let's pray. Father, may you be glorified now as we take up your word. And may you add your blessing to the reading of your word. In Christ's name, amen. Thank you. You can be seated. So last week, as I said, we looked at the, the great prostitute in chapter 17, uh, known as uh, the, the great prostitute, the great uh, harlot um, of all the abominations of the earth is, what the, is, what, uh, uh, is how the King James translates it. Um, we, see, uh, we see her judged and the nations, uh, or, and, and, and her being turned on and, and being destroyed ultimately. Well, in chapter 18, though, uh, we see the fall of, uh, of, of, of something else, not just the, the religious um, um, cult worship of, of, uh, of, the, of the empire, but we now see the, the, the commerce section of, this, of this, great, this great entity known as Babylon being cast down. And so let's take a look and let's see what, let's go through our text and let's see uh, what we can discover as we look through here. So first we see that... <clears throat> The fall of Babylon, the great, is proclaimed. And we see that in verses 1 through 8. Uh, and we see, in ver- particularly uh, in verses 1 through 3, the introduction of the angel that is sent and that comes. As a matter of fact, it says in chapter 18, verse 1, And after these things I saw another angel. Uh, and, and so what is, he, what is he referring to? Well, this has actually been, been a theme throughout the book of Revelation uh, when he says, I saw an angel, and I saw another angel, and I saw another angel. But this angel just means another in the sense of the same as the same type as before. And so in chapter 17, in verse 1, for instance, he says, And there came one of the seven angels, which had the seven vials, and talked with me, or spoke with me, saying unto me, Come here, I will show unto you the judgment of the great whore that sits upon many waters. Right? So, so we, we, this is uh, a, the same type of an angel. Uh, so therefore, probably one of the other seven angels that is listed here um, when he says, uh, and, and this is notice that this is meant to um, this is meant to portray for us 
um, something that has happened sequentially, right? Because he says, and after these things, what things? Well, the things spoken of in Revelation chapter 17. Um, there are some people who would say, well, you know, chapter 18 is nothing more than a, than a retelling of chapter 17. But I, I think because of the way this is, this is worded, I think it would be an error to see it that way, um, particularly because, as I said, John, or as the text reads here, and after these things, that is the, the events of chapter 17, the, the great whore of Babylon thrown down and destroyed, he says he saw another angel that has come down from, from heaven. And what is it about this angel that, John, that, that strikes John? Well, John uh, says a couple different things about this angel. First, uh, that he has great power or great authority, right? This angel that has come down from heaven uh, has great authority, has great power. Um, he has been given great authority to pronounce the judgment of, of uh, Babylon. He has been given uh, the same power and authority that the angel in chapter 17, verse 1, has been given and other angels throughout the book of Revelation have been given. Um, and again... Um, um, just because the Bible says the word angel, and even though it does say it comes down from heaven, doesn't necessarily mean um, anything other than, than, than what it means, which is messenger. So w whether that's a, that's a real angel or a, or a messenger sent from God, um, the fact is, is that the point is the same. Uh, that this person, this being, this entity has great power to pronounce judgment upon those who have followed the, the religious um, institution that was established by uh, the, the empire here. And so, so God pronounces judgment through his, through his servants, through his people. Um, John certainly was a servant who was certainly sent out by God and, and certainly revealed these things to us, wrote them down for us. Um, and so in that sense, John could certainly be called a messenger, an angel uh, uh, in, those, in that sense. But this particular messenger, this particular angel has great authority. And, and, but what does give us pause and that he, it is more than just a person is the fact that it says, and the earth was, as the King James says here, was lighted with his glory. Now, what, is that, what does that mean? Well, it literally means the whole earth was, was illuminated with the glory of this, this being, with the glory of this entity coming to pronounce once and for all the final judgment over Babylon the Great. Um, and so we, we see that uh, this angel comes, and he comes how? He, well, he comes not only, he not only comes in power or authority, he, not only does he come with great uh, glory, right? He's coming to pronounce the, the, the uh, he coming, he's coming in the authority of God, and therefore he is called to pronounce God's judgment and so he's coming with uh, with great authority and glory but he's also coming with a loud voice right that with a strong authoritative loud voice and it says and he cried mightily with a strong voice or a mighty or that is a that is a a very uh, <laughs> very loud wouldn't even begin to really describe what he's what what this means it's it's a it is a a, a great resounding noise um, and so this is a great resounding voice that he then has, that he pronounces, that he, uh, that he uses to pronounce the fall of this, this entity, this, this, uh, this, this empire um, that, call, that is called Babylon. Um, and again, this is not, I don't believe, is not a reconstituted 
Babylon. That's not, that's not what's, what this is. This has been applied. This is a title that's been taken and, and applied. Um, and um, if you were to ask me what, what, what I believe this is being applied to, I certainly believe that in John's day, they would have certainly understood this to have applied to the, to the, to the, uh, to the empire of Rome. And they certainly would have understood uh, that, uh, that God, has, um, God has come, God is going to come, and he's going to judge the, the empire for their wickedness and their sin. It doesn't mean it doesn't have other applications, most certainly does, uh, but, uh, but, but certainly we start in, in that immediate context and move outwards. And so uh, whether it is Rome or whether it is, it is another entity or empire that stands in the way of God, ultimately we understand that they will be placed under the authority of Christ and plowed under in the, in the annals of history. They are not going to be able to stand. They're not going to be able to. They're not going to be able to stand against God. They're not going to be able to to overcome God or His messengers or His message. Uh, God's kingdom is constantly advancing. It's not going to be defeated. It's not going to be thwarted. God is going to overcome the nations with the might of His power and His word and the word of God that's sent forth from His mouth. But notice, notice what the angel cries here, and it says, and the angel says. Babylon the great is fallen, is fallen. Um, so just, just sit with that for a moment. So, so imagine having everything that you cling to, everything that you, you, you are, are clinging to, your support system suddenly ripped away from you. And that's what's happening here. Um, so not only has the religious uh, cult of the empire been ripped away, but now also so has the commercial and the political and every other part of the empire been ripped away from, <clears throat> from, uh, uh, from, this, uh, um, from this great Babylon. And, and as a result, the peoples of the world, they're in awe because they don't know what's, what they're going to do next. I mean, they've become rich. They've become powerful. They've become uh, politically powerful. They've, become, they've been able to exercise all kinds of, of, uh, of authority over peoples and lands and, and places like that. And now all of a sudden, merchants have been made rich by, by trading and commerce. And now all of a sudden, that is gone for them. And there is nothing there is nothing. I will say this, and again, I don't want to just apply this to the Roman Empire, but I will say this. I will say, did you know that the start of the Dark Ages began when the Empire of Rome fell? The world was plunged into great darkness when the Roman Empire fell. Um, and it, it la- that darkness lasted for uh, several, several hundred years um, before that, that was lifted. And so um, I, I think that there is great, there is great uh, understanding here for us that, that, that God is going to judge those who stand in his way, uh, whether, whether that is uh, Rome or that is another civilization. Um, God is going to stand in, God is not going to stand for any empire, any entity, any political, uh, any political uh, um, being standing in his way and so this is what the angel has come to ultimately decry and to ultimately decree that Babylon has fallen and notice how the angel repeats this twice why why couldn't he just said Babylon the great has fallen well just like when God uses Moses's names twice in the in the in the book of Exodus to refer to um, a completeness of his love for him and a completeness of his grace towards him. 
God now announces his complete and utter judgment and hatred for Babylon. And so he, he, he communicates this twice, stating that this is something that is, going to, that is going to happen, that is going to take place once and for all, and that it is fixed. And not only is it fixed, but it is, it is certain in the utter, utterness of its destruction. And so Babylon is fallen, is fallen, is a, is, a, is a way of just saying, to us it really doesn't make sense, right? Because in the English we just say, you know, so we use, we use um, um, you know, different, different words, right? Be like, uh, that's a, you know, that was a, a great, uh, uh, you know, destruction, right? But here they, they use it twice, uh, John uses it twice to determine for us the absolute destruction and utter, utter decimation of, the, of, of this, this entity called Babylon the Great. And notice this. Notice what as a result of what God does here. It says, for, for all, uh, excuse me, um, and he's become, uh, and Babylon the Great has fallen, has fallen, and has become the habitation of devils and the, ho- and the hold of every foul spirit and a cage of every clean and ha- unclean and hateful bird. Right? So, um, so in its place, what has God pl- replaced? In its place, in its splendor, in its glory, in its praise and it's in its outstanding um in its outstanding uh uh splendor and glory in its heyday now it has become nothing but the haunt of demons and unclean beings by the way in case you don't have you if you have never studied this john actually employs the word uh to talk about these beings one of the words that he uses here is the same word from which we understand in the Greek, in, in the Greek of, uh, of the sirens. Um, these were um, half, uh, half human, half uh, bird creatures. And this is what John, this is the, this is what John says. He, he uses this, this word in, that, it's, uh, um, that when he's talking of what is feeling, uh, filling up this, this now destroyed, decimated place as a haunt of demons and foul spirits and unclean beings, unclean birds. The idea there is, is that of sirens. Um, and, and so John is, is making it clear that God is utterly de- desecrating them, destroying them, and just utterly filling them with all sorts of, of ignoble uh, creatures and beings. Um, and, and we can't forget, we can't forget here, as we're looking at this, it's certainly not something we should ever forget when we're talking and thinking of <clears throat> Daniel chapter 2, um, because this is, this is exactly what the Lord had, prescri- had, had, uh, had prophesied would exactly take place in Daniel chapter 2. Remember this? I read this this morning, um, but I'll read it again. Nebuchadnezzar, of course, has had a dream. He's been, uh, he's been greatly troubled by this dream. Daniel comes, he says, I can inter- God has given me the interpretation, O king. Um, and so he then sets forth and tells us um, what this dream is. Listen to this. And the fourth kingdom, verse 40, Daniel chapter 2, and the fourth kingdom shall be strong as iron, for as much as iron breaketh in pieces and subdues all things, and as iron that breaks all these shall it break in pieces and bruise. And whereas you saw the feet of, and toes, part of potter's clay and part of iron, the kingdom shall be divided, but there shall be in it of the strength of the iron, for as much as thou sawest the iron mixed with miry clay. And as the toes of the feet were part of iron and part of clay, so the kingdom shall be partly strong and partly broken. And for as much as thou saw, that, that you saw iron mixed with miry clay, they shall mingle themselves with the seed of men, but they shall not cling to one, to, to one another." 
even as iron is not mixed with clay. And the days of these kings shall the God of heaven set up a kingdom which shall never be destroyed. And the kingdom shall not be left to other people, but it shall break in pieces and consume all these things, and it shall stand forever. So, this is the fulfillment of Daniel chapter 2 coming to play. The destruction that is taking place here. God is destroying and decimating uh, the empire because of their great wickedness and their great sinfulness. Um, and God has established his kingdom. In fact, Daniel would talk about uh, uh, how Nebuchadnezzar saw a, 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 a rock, a boulder that was cut, cut out by no man's hands. It fell and it, it, it crushed the statue that, it, that Nebuchadnezzar saw. Um, and then it grew up into this giant mountain. Uh, and and this, is, this, is the, this, is the, this is what John is telling us is taking place, is that God has destroyed and, and is destroying the nations so that his kingdom continues to extend and to enlarge. And so after, after, because of all of her wickedness and sinfulness and, 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 and her, her love for everything foreign and her love for all kinds of idols, this is what it says in 18.3. It says, For all nations have drunk of the wine of the wrath of fornication, and the kings of the earth have committed fornication with her, and the merchants of the earth have, have grown rich through the abundance of, of her delicacies um, or her luxury, right? That's, that, would be a, that, would, that would be actually the word, uh, the modern English word here for us is that, that God, God has allowed them to grow, um, to grow luxurious. Um, and, 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 and I think here it was, it's not wrong to see that God, allow, God, is, God allows his nations, or God allows the nations at times to grow into a fattened calf, nice and healthy and plump, so that when he does execute his judgment, there is no doubt that it is God executing his judgment. We don't have to guess. We don't have to wonder. We don't have to, we don't have to be curious about whether or not God is doing this. It's very clear in Revelation chapter 18 that this is what God has done to Babylon, mystery Babylon. God has allowed them to grow fat and, 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 and luxurious and they're in the heights of their, their strength and their power and then all of a sudden he cuts them off. He destroys them because he wants there to be no question as to who does this. There's no question. God gets the glory in all of this. God gets the praise in all of this. God gets the, gets the honor in all of this. She has led the nations astray and God destroys her. God destroys her. And so it, so it will be. I mean, yes, uh, so yes, God's kingdom continues to grow. Yes, we, we, we win. God wins. Uh, the kingdom grows. There is no stopping it. And yet we know throughout time, throughout history, uh, and even as we've gone through the book of Revelation, we see how, how tyrants uh, and, and antichrists rises up, rise up um, to oppose the kingdom of God and to oppose the, the work of God through the, through the gospel and how God over and over and over and over again, whether it be Rome or another, uh, another empire, um, the last empire that is to come um, will ultimately be decimated and destroyed and once and for all um, flattened and, and, and desecrated. And, and within this then, it is interesting because this angel, notice what it says here in verse 4. There's sort of a switch here. So in chapter 18, verse 1, we see that after these things, I saw another angel come down from heaven, right? But then in chapter 18, verse 4, there's, some, there's a switch. There's sort of a, a, a pivot, if you will, here that takes place. Because notice what this says here. 
In verse 4, And I heard another voice from heaven saying, Come out of her, my people, that you, not, that you are not partakers of her sins, and that you do not receive her plagues. It's interesting because the angel comes down and the angel comes and he, he, he executes the judgment. He proclaims the judgment uh, against Babylon that, that Babylon is going to be destroyed and she is. But in the midst of all of this, right before this, what does it say? It says that there's a voice from heaven, right, to come out of her. Now, what does this mean? Well, let's, 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 take, a, let's take this a little bit slowly so we can, I, I hope so you can see here in verses 4 through 8 exactly what, um, what is being meant here. Because John does start off, no, no question, he hears a voice and the voice starts off and he says, clearly, come out of her, my people, right? Why doesn't God want his people to be a part of spiritual Babylon or mystery Babylon? Well, one, because um, he doesn't want her to share in the sins of mystery Babylon. Two, he doesn't want her to share in the plagues that is to come upon mystery Babylon, right? And three... Because unlike the, the uh, uh, mystery Babylon, Babylon the kingdom here, right, uh, um, the sins of God's people have been forgiven and are no longer remembered. Her iniquities, their iniquities are no longer remembered. Therefore, they are not and cannot be, a part, cannot be partakers in the judgment because, uh, or the wrath of God against, uh, uh, against this, this, this entity because... Unlike theirs, ours have been forgiven in Christ. And so there, there, are, there are at least those three reasons why God is very clear um, when he says, come out of her, my people. Um, there, there, are, there are great iniquities that have taken place in her, as we've seen throughout the book of Revelation, um, throughout the, the beasts, the Antichrist, and all these other beings that have come upon the red dragon and the worship that they've led uh, people into and the nations into. Uh, the false worship that they've led the nations into, God now judges and destroys once and for all, um, leaving no room that he is the one worthy. Um, and, and so in doing this, um, God, is, God is saying, so you're not to partake in their, in their sins and in their iniquities, right? But two, um, there is going to be wrath that falls. As I said, we're not to, the, God's people are not to partake in their wrath, but instead, he gives them the fullness of, the, of his wrath because he says, listen to what he says here in, in, in uh, um, verse 6. Reward her, even as she is rewarded. Right? Rewarded you. Reward her, even as she has rewarded you. And, and then he goes on and he says in, in, in the very next uh, um, line, he says, and double her reward. Right? Double her reward. Destroy her, but not just once, double her destruction. Double it because of her sins and her iniquities and her destroying of the prophets and the, and the apostles and the saints of God. Destroy her for destroying my people. Right. And so in this, I think in this moment, what we see is we do see the reality of uh, the imprecatory prayers being visited. Um, being visited upon the nations at this point. All of the prayers of the saints to, to, that we saw much earlier in the chapter, right, when they're sitting under the throne that have been martyred uh, for, the, for the gospel, right, uh, earlier in the, ch in the book, and God, uh, they're given robes and told to continue to rest under the, the, um, under the throne for a little while or the altar a little while longer, 
um, and, and um, uh, this is now fully being poured out upon Babylon. This is now fully being poured out upon that wicked, wicked empire that God, um, God has, has chosen at this point to repay her, repaying her double, so much so that, as he says earlier, she's become a haunt of demons and, and unclean beings and foul spirits and, and all these other things. God, is, God has unleashed his rage against this evil empire. God has unleashed his rage and mixed it double for her. And she is because, and, and notice this, right? So, and there, because there is a, there is a, um, there is a comparison that's being, being floated here. I don't know if you've noticed it. But notice, notice what it says here in chapter 18, verse 1. Let's just reread that, and then I'll, I'll reread um, the, the verse I want to show you is comparing. And after these things, I saw another angel come down from heaven, having great power, um, and, and the earth was, was illuminated with his glory. Now, um, let's, go, let's go down here into chapter 18, and let's read. Um, in verse uh, beginning in verse seven, how much she has glorified her life and lived luxuriously. There's a there's a contrast that God is God is giving us here between the nations and those who worship the their false entities and false beings and false idols and 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 the 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 glory of the God of heaven whose servants are sent in his power to glorify him and to honor him there's 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 a comparison there's a sharp contrast here between the glory of God which shall succeed and shall which shall produce good fruit and shall continue to overcome the nations and the, the glory of the nations who live luxuriously and live, live in complete and utter disregard and abandonment for the God of heaven. There's a, there's a comparison going on here, a contrasting that's going on here. So, and this is why John is saying, or this is why John hears the angels saying, give to them what they deserve and yet double it. Because instead of giving God glory, they've given themselves glory. Instead of living for, for the, the riches of the kingdom, they've lived for the riches of themselves. Because of, because of their, their, um, their, their worship of false idols and false uh, deities and demons, they are called upon to, um, God has, call, has called the angels, his messengers to pronounce judgment, and God vents his full wrath. Notice what the plagues that will come upon um, this entity, this being called Babylon, will come to them in one day. Notice it. It says, death, mourning, famine, and fire. Those are the four plagues that God pronounces against them in chapter uh, 18, verse 8. He says, these are, the, these are the four plagues, right? So he says, therefore, shall the plagues come in one day, death and mourning and famine, and she shall be utterly burned with fire. Now notice this. Notice this. Notice the word for, okay? So it's given us the reason, right? So if you want to, you can circle that word because I think this is an important word. For, right? So why does God do this? For, because, since he is strong who judges her. He's strong. He's mighty. He's almighty. He is, as the Old Testament says, he is El Shaddai, right? He is the almighty God. He is, the, he is the sovereign Lord and the King of kings. He is the one who alone has every right to do this. And so that's what he says. For strong is the Lord God who judges her. Right? And so God is very much in imploring this word and putting these two words together, Lord God, right? 
Um, he, is, he, is, he is drawing our attention very much back to the same, the same um, way that he uses this in the Old Testament. How do I know this? Because the entire book of Revelation is nothing but an, a giant, um, is a giant um, um, quotation from various Old Testament passages. And so because of that, when we see this here, when it says the Lord God, what we should understand is that, that God is drawing our attention back to, um, to the fact that he is saying, look, I, I am the almighty, sovereign God who no one else um, it compares to. I am the first without be- beginning. I am the last without end. I am God, and I am the one who is going to do this. I'm going to accomplish this. I have every right to do this because she has exalted herself. And so in this point, in this point, and, and I, I, I just sort of want to end here because I feel like we've covered a lot, but I do want to make some application for us. Um, sort of as we as we close in on this, and we'll come back to uh, we'll come back to the rest of the chapter next week, Lord willing. But I will say this, uh, brothers and sisters. Let, let me say this: we cannot downplay the reality of the cosmic treason that is ta- that took place in the garden, and that takes place um, by everyone who does not bow the knee to Christ. Every time someone does not bow the knee to Christ, they are committing cosmic treason. And you say, well, what do you mean by cosmic treason? Well. What I mean by that is they are usurping and seeking to usurp the power of God, the authority of God, the place of God who, where he rightly belongs. And they are going back into the garden and they are taking of the fruit of the tree and they are eating it for themselves. And they are saying, I am God. It's cosmic treason. Cosmic treason. And we cannot downplay the reality of the seriousness of sin and the holiness of God. The reason God judges her is because he is holy. The reason God ultimately judges the nations is because he is holy. The reason he won't stand for the Antichrist or the beast, uh, the false prophets, or anybody else here that's mentioned in the book of Revelation, ultimately, ultimately carrying the day is because God will vindicate his holiness. God will vindicate his holiness. And I would submit to you, has already done so in the person and work of Jesus Christ. Christ has vindicated the holiness of God by becoming the sacrifice for sin. And in doing that, God shows the seriousness of sin. That is that man committed such rebellion that only God could pay the debt that we owed. Imagine that. Think about that. We committed a sin that was so serious in the garden that it took took God himself having to pay our sin for our sin in order for it to be forgiven. That is some wretchedness. And yet God is great in mercy in doing that, isn't he? He's great in mercy. He's wonderful in in mercy and grace in doing that for us. And, And this has to be the message that we preach then to the nations. This has to be the, the, the message of the gospel given to the nations. Because, yes, ultimately God will judge the nations. Yes, ultimately God will judge the, the final empire of the world. But, but, but in doing that, what is God, what is God vindicating? He's not, he's not just removing it for the sake of removing it. He's doing it because he's saying, I am holy, and therefore I must judge sin. And I take this seriously. I take this seriously. God takes sins very seriously. 
Now, why is that good news for those of us who are in Christ? Well, that's good news for those of us who are in Christ because, as was pointed out here in chapter 18, verse 4, when God commands his people to come out of her, my people, that you do not be partakers of her sin and that you do not receive of her plagues. So, So why? Because ultimately our sin... Our iniquity, our, our, our great rebellion, our cosmic rebellion has been paid for by Christ and in Christ. And so we live for the glory of God, having our sins completely paid for, having our, having our hearts completely becoming new creations in Christ because of the work of Jesus Christ in our lives. Right? So we, we look to Christ, we rest in Christ, we, we rejoice in Christ because of what he has done for us. And from that position of what Christ has done for us, we tell the nations. We proclaim it to the nations that reconciliation is possible. That we can be made right with God. We can be made holy with God. God, 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 can, uh, God has sent out the message of reconciliation to all men everywhere who repent and believe the gospel. That if you will but repent and if you will, just, if you will turn from your sin and trust in Christ, you will be forgiven of your sin. This is good news for us because in the moments and the times where our hearts deceive us and they cause us to doubt... now. Now, let, let me say this before I go on any further. There, is, there, is something, there are times when, when we don't need to just gloss over and say, well, you know, uh, you know, that's, you know all doubt is from the devil. Paul, Paul, uh, Peter tells us to make our calling and election sure. But once you have done that, um, there is no more, there's no more reason uh, to live in, in fear and despondency and doubt. Uh, there's, no more, there's no more condemnation for us who are in Christ. And so we, need, we can live in the joy that comes from Christ. We can, we can, we can harbor uh, or we can safely harbor the storms of life and the, the, the things that, that even uh, people close to us throw at us, not because of us, but because we've taken shelter in Christ. And we've come to Christ, who is our shelter. Psalmist says it over and over again. He is our shelter. He is our, our help and our hope. And so I, I say to us, uh, whether whether you are rejoicing right now or whether you are you are in sadness or you are you are struggling in life or whatever the case may be, look to Christ, trust Christ, find your refuge in Christ. He is a good and faithful and comforting Savior. And it's good news for the sinner because they can both know their sin. We can both tell them the sin that they are guilty of, as well as the good news of the gospel. We can call them to come out so that they don't also, by repentance and faith in Christ, they don't take part in the sins, the sins of, of, of Babylon or the sins of, of the plagues of Babylon that, that come. And so we, we as God's people need to know and understand that, that, that we have great, great encouragement for us and for those who don't know Christ. This is, this is why um, we as God's people need to be... Um, need to be faithful in, in uh, long before going out and, and, and participating in the Great Commission. We need to be spending time in, our, in, our, in, our, in times of, of, of worship, corporate worship, personal, private worship, family worship, spending time just worshiping and honoring God and, and preparing our own hearts. And then from there, we can go and we can proclaim King, the, the, the gospel of King Jesus because it is good news 
It is good news. It's not good news to those who refuse to bow the knee. It is good news in the sense that, it is good news to us in the sense that um, in their judgment, God is vindicating his holiness, which may sound strange, right? Like that sounds awful morbid. But the reality is, is that if they will not bow the knee to Christ, they will vindicate his, his glory and his goodness and his justice, either in their condemnation and their damnation or in their salvation. Either way, God will be glorified in either one whether their damnation and condemnation or their salvation, God is going to be glorified. And we pray for, we pray that it would rather be their salvation, that they would become as we are now in Christ, that we would rejoice in Christ and serve King Jesus. But, my brothers and sisters, let us take refuge in Christ and call others to that same refuge in Christ. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for our time together in the Word. Um, we thank you for your mercy and grace and for the promise that you will judge evil at the end of days and the end of time. There's coming a day of judgment once and for all when the nations will be forced to, who have not bowed the knee to Christ, who will be forced to bow the knee, where sinners who have rebelled and shake, shook their fists at the King of Heaven, as, as we're told in Reve, earlier in Revelation they have done and cursed the God of Heaven, Lord, that they will be made to bow the knee um, and they will be made to confess that Jesus Christ is is Lord to the glory of God the Father. We just simply pray that in the meantime, that we who are, who are in Christ would be faithful to find our refuge and comfort and joy in Christ, and that from this place we would then go to tell the nations of the good news of the gospel of Jesus Christ. May you guide us and help us now. May we go in the comfort of your word in Jesus' name.